Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Welcome everyone. Thank you for listening to coffees.me podcast. This is an episode which I already made before and you might have listened to it. It was the test episode where I killed two birds with one rock. I interviewed Willem Booth for a magazine and I took a liberty and recorded the interview and tested out if this podcast or this kind of podcast makes sense. If the coffee professionals would actually like this. The test episode had a horrible audio quality, which I apologize for, so I re-edited it, and hopefully this will provide a better listening experience. In this interview, Willem will talk about coffee in Central America, and also about his own farm, La Mula, which is in Panama. Willem grows on La Mula exclusively Geisha varietal, which is a variety of Arabica, very exclusive one, very expensive one, and extremely yummy. In 2014, Willem won the prestigious competition The Best of Panama. I love to have Willem on the show because simply he is one of the most regarded coffee professionals in the industry. And also, in the show he will tell us few secrets like, for example, which Central American coffee is still a hidden gem in the coffee world. And also, he will give you few secrets and tips how to start and run a coffee farm. If you like this episode, please review this podcast on iTunes. It means a lot to me, and I'm sure Willem will like it too. And do not miss a single episode, so make sure you subscribe on iTunes for Apple users or on Stitcher for Android lovers. And before the show, here is a short message from our sponsor. This show is brought to you by Bootcamp Coffee, online education for coffee roasters and professionals. Subscribe to bootcampcoffee.com today and unlock the quality of your coffee. Okay, one more short note. Just before we start, I need to uh, do this little disclaimer. Bootcamp Coffee is something me and Willem built together. So, you know, we are kind of vested in that. Thank you for listening. Have a great time. Hi, Willem. Uh, how is your day so far? Now we have um, today. We it's a yeah special day for many of us. It's Eastern, so um, the the religious meaning is this is the day of the resurrection. And um, um, for many others, it's a, it's a day to relax. For, for me, it's also a day to prepare for um, this new harvest season with new coffees coming out. Among others, uh, the two coffees. Uh, from my farms that I've uh, worked uh, hard for, me and my team, um, coffee from uh, La Mula in Panama, as well as the coffee, the very first harvest of the coffee from uh, Finca Sofia in Panama. So it's it's always a great uh, great time of the year to reflect on that. That sounds great. I, I gave you this harsh question in the beginning, just like, you know, without any introduction, because I was hoping that you say something like, oh, I was so excited about this interview or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, 
of course, I I was like very too excited and nervous uh, about uh, the, the the question in general, so that I completely forgot about the, the joy of and the honor to be interviewed by you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, do you have any coffee in front of you? You know, I don't. I don't. It's um, it's but it's it's about time that I should make some coffee. Yeah, because I uh, I've had some coffee in the morning, but not too much after that. What would be your choice if you would uh, make coffee right now? I would prepare some um, 2014 um, La Mula from the from the WJB lot. It's a, it's a coffee that has uh, wonderful blueberry notes. Mm. We will talk about that coffee just a bit later. Uh, you know, I got this task from a Slovak magazine to write article about Central American coffee. And, you know, as I'm too busy to do that right now, so I decided to take a shortcut and interview the, you, the professional, the, the master of coffee. And you know a lot about Central American coffee. Um, where do you see Central American coffee today? Yeah, I think Central American coffee or coffee in Central America is in a, in a, still in a very precarious spot. Uh, most countries in Central America still have um, major impact of the decline of production as a result of the impact of the uh, uh, coffee rust disease, which is a fungus that has been impacting coffee farmers. And uh, we see in countries like uh, um, El Salvador, Guatemala, um, to some degree Honduras, we, we still see this year a major impact of that. And um, so uh, coffee farmers in um, Central America are still recovering from the onslaught of um, coffee rust, and many of them are still scratching their head of how to to recover from it. And many farmers literally um, gave up coffee farming altogether because they were not able to to deal with the impact. So, so how do I see Central American coffee? You know, obviously for various reasons, Central America is a great origin um, with fantastic coffees, um, but they still have to cross some various um, bridges in order to overcome the, the onslaught of this uh, terrible um, fungus attack. You're talking about this fungus in a past tense. Does it mean it, it's gone? Uh, or is the uh, Central American coffee safe now? No, it's not gone yet, but I would say um, countries have started to be able to to deal with it. Um, the the first wave of the the worst waves of coffee rust seem to be to be over. That doesn't mean that we're out of the danger zone. Absolutely not. But you know, in, in a country like El Salvador, we've already seen that sixty percent or even more of the farms have been completely ruined and destroyed. So. Wow. Um, the farmers that are left, the 40% or less, they now have become uh, uh, maybe a little bit wiser on how to deal with it and how to prevent it. So, so we're absolutely not done with it, unfortunately. A country like Honduras has been uh, putting in a major effort to replant. I think of all the Central American countries, they were probably best prepared for this, uh, for this disaster. Um, so I, I don't see that we're yet out of the danger zone, but I, I see that you know people have you know uh, have become accustomed to dealing with it now, 
and I expect that over the next five years we'll see some recuperation uh, going in, in the Central American zone. Uh, you are a well-seasoned uh, coffee professional. Um, you remember a lot of ups and downs of the Central American coffee. Um, how was the Central American coffee 10, 15 years ago uh, comparing to today when it comes to quality? You know, it's an interesting question because 15 years ago, which was the year 2000, Central America was going through some of one of the worst uh, crises as a result of the low prices. Um, not too long before that year of 2000, coffee prices had hit an absolute bottom. So um, qualities at that time were um, sought after, but farmers yeah, were not always being rewarded for it. So um, there was a lot of uh, there were a lot of cases of farmers basically also giving up on coffee farming altogether because it was not bringing them any income. Uh, five years later, in the year 2005, so that's 10 years ago, we saw that um, you know some um, in some way coffee farmers had uh, overcome the situation. Coffee prices had, had recovered, and um, we also had had. In the year before 2005, in 2004, we had seen the very first introduction of this this wonderful new variety called the the geisha variety. So I would say in 2005 we were at the early beginning of a new development in um, coffee farming, which was the development of um, you know the, the single origin uh, coffee concepts in the consuming countries which also had a uh, impact on how uh, the role with the farmer now was being re-evaluated. And so I would say since 2005, we've seen some very interesting changes in uh, uh, yeah, coffee agriculture as a result. So as far as I understand you, this um, concept of a single origin coffee, it, did it help the quality? Is, is the quality better than, um, let's say, 10 years ago? I would say... There's more availability now of the so-called, yeah, the category of the so-called super quality coffees than there was 10 years ago, absolutely. Mm. Okay, this magazine uh, writes mostly for cafes, bars, and restaurant owners. Uh, what would, uh, why would a cafe or bar or restaurant reach out for the Central American lot? Um, what, what do you think? Why, why is that good for them? You know, Central America still is the country that has, or the, sorry, it's the zone, the region, not a country, of course, but it's still the region that uh, displays um, coffee qualities that are, in the majority of cases, washed. They're they're generally Central American coffees are generally very well processed, and they carry this inert um, complexity of flavor with their washed uh, processing style that other um, countries in, in the Latin American continent do not display. So in my opinion, most Central American coffees carry more complexity, more sweetness, they have just cleaner cups than we find in any other country in the Central American uh, or the, in the South American zone. Would you recommend them to prepare it as espresso or as a pour over or what would your recommendation be? 
you know, I, I think that's what, one of the features of uh, these coffees are that they're very versatile. So you can um, um, prepare them in various ways. I do know from, from experience that um, single origin espressos from Central America can be just wonderful. Um, and I think also as pour over, they can be very good. So I think that that's one of the strengths of Central American coffees, their versatility. When it comes to the same person, again, owner of cafe, restaurant, hotel, uh, what would you recommend him? How he or she should uh, purchase uh, these coffees? How, what they have to pay attention to, or, you know, what, what is the drive behind um, selecting these coffees? Uh, you know, I think the first parameter, make sure you buy um, seasonally fresh coffees. So, so make sure you're buying coffees that are from the current crop that are, yeah, so that you prevent buying coffees from, from a past crop. Which now in, in uh, April is kind of hard, right? You know, right now you can see the availability of the early harvests from countries like um, Panama, but of course Panama is a smaller country, but you know, from Costa Rica um, to some degree El Salvador, to some degree Guatemala, you see the very early shipments of the coffees that are, I would say, in the category of hard bean or of the high-grown coffees. Um, so they are available. And in the next two, three months, we see more availability from the higher grown regions in those same countries. I have, you know, Central America has many uh, producing countries. Um, I'm just curious what you think in one or two sentences if I say, let's say, Mexico. Mexico, I would say, is a, a huge origin various wonderful regions um, but still with a lot of challenges in terms of processing and because the country is so big coffees um, are often damaged uh, in the in the post harvesting process but a great origin fantastic origin okay next one Honduras uh, Honduras is um, I would say is the powerhouse of Central America. Hmm. Uh, there are six uh, very distinct regions. Within those regions, we have a total of about 24 to 26 uh, very unique zones. Um, so Honduras is the Central American country where you can get the best value for your money. Nicaragua. So Nicaragua is, is a uh, origin where you can find softer toned coffees with softer acidity, a very, uh, I would say, a smooth sweetness. And it's a great origin for uh, single origin espresso with, um, you know, softer flavors or as a excellent uh, ingredient for blends. Cool. El Salvador. El Salvador is the country that I would say um, does extremely well um, as a single origin coffee. There's a high variety of uh, beautiful estates that still grow the, um, you know, the eclectic 
um, heirloom varieties like mm-hmm. Bourbon and Pacamara. Costa Rica. Costa Rica, I would say, if you're looking for um, larger volume, very well processed, clean tasting coffees with abundance of sweetness, then that's a great, great origin to look at. I left the last one. Uh, the most interesting for you, I guess, the Panama. Uh, Panama is uh, is is the the midget of coffee origins, but the giant in quality. And um, I would say Panama is is prone to deliver some of the most expressive, surprising flavors, among which the super queen of all coffees being the um, Geisha coffee variety. Yes, that leads me to the uh, the next segment where I actually want to talk to you as a farmer, not as a coffee professional, but you know, not I guess most of the people by now know that Willem Booth became also a farmer. And uh, I was just wondering what made you start a coffee farm? You know, it, it started all in 2004 when I um, tasted for the first time uh, uh, Geisha coffee. And uh, uh, Geisha was... Um, um, first presented in 2004 at the uh, at the annual Panama competition, and I was a judge there, and I was I felt so in love with that flavor profile of Geisha that um, I decided to um, from then on to pursue a um, career as a um, coffee farmer, and um, I found some land with the help of a coffee friend of mine uh, by by the name of Graciano Cruz, and he. Um, uh, was able to uh, yeah, introduce me into this craft of uh, coffee farming, for which I'm I'm very grateful to him. But um, you know, the rest was history. Then we we planted these geisha coffees on a, on this slope on this volcano on the Volcan Baru, and um, it was obviously a lot of work to keep the plants first alive because geisha is very um, uh, fragile variety, and then to to allow these trees to grow to um, yeah, to their full grown level um, was a long process, but our patience was awarded with uh, coffees that deliver uh, some wonderful uh, flavor profiles. How do you pick a coffee farm? Like, what was your uh, main uh, decision? How did you decide that okay, your geisha plants will feel awesome here? You know. One f- one particularly important uh, parameter was the fact that at this um, farm I saw some of the conditions that I had, that I had also seen in uh, Ethiopia, and um, so so I reasoned, you know, if these coffee trees, these geisha coffee trees, with their ancestral history being you know, in the birthplace of Arabica in Ethiopia, if these coffee trees, these geisha coffee trees, have something like a, a genetic memory, then they will probably feel very happy in this 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 forest because it very much reminded me of some some forests I'd seen in Ethiopia, and uh, so this was to me was like a little piece of Ethiopia in Panama, and uh, that's why I decided to to choose that spot. Oh wow. You know, when you read labels on uh, coffee packaging, there is always or often a story 
you know, that the, the coffee is uh, from a farm owned by generations, you know, the kids were doing it, we are doing it, and our kids are going to do that. So the cycle kind of repeats itself. Suddenly you come into the picture, you know, guy who helps coffee professionals, you are like a famous coffee professional, but when it comes to farming, your experience is kind of growing tomatoes in Mill Valley, California. And then you come and you win the very prestigious competition, Best of Panama. So what is your secret? Uh, what's the secret? Um, I think the secret is first and for all to um, to be very patient and to be also, uh, I, I, I think, you know, to, to listen very well to what the trees need. I think um, in some way it could even be a disadvantage to be a regular coffee farmer if you start growing geisha because it's the um, coffee variety that is so much not like coffee because geisha has very distinct needs and so so my secret ultimately is that i i think i have understood well what these trees need and i i don't have a um a set of expectations based upon growing other coffee types this was my first coffee venture and and i just knew that um you had to be very as I already said, patience, and you had to treat this coffee in a very unique way. That's, I think that was one of the secrets to being able to um, understand what it takes to, um, to be successful growing this coffee. That's very interesting what you say, because I think that's a kind of uh, a quality of any innovator that uh, they do not have any um, background in that industry, and they just invent or reinvent a certain industry. So it's kind of nice to hear that it works also in a coffee farming. You know, I'm a tech nerd, so you know, I'm getting this from more from the tech world, but it seems that it works also in a in a in a farming, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, imagine I can imagine a lot of people, uh, baristas and uh, coffee roasters, they want to start their own farm. That's probably kind of like a hidden dream of uh, of all of us. Uh, what would your tip? What would be your tip? How to start a coffee farm? What are the first steps, and what are the next steps? I think the first step is to find the best possible land for this um, for this uh, venture. And um, in your quest for land, um, obviously you want to look at um, elevation, but I think. Even more important is uh, to look at uh, you know what's the what's the what's the ideal so soil you have there, and also what's the ideal exposure or what's the ex what's the exposure the the land has towards the sun. So you, you do want to select land that has a, a more of a southern exposure rather than a northern exposure, um, and you want to focus on land that has uh, enough organic material. Um, Second, and uh, maybe of, of the same importance, is to get the right personnel, the right people involved. Because without the right personnel, without the right people, um, you will never be able to make the trees flourish to their maximum potential. So, so getting the right, um, yeah, protocols going with the right 
passion for the, the, the difficult task that lies ahead is, is the second most important one. And that's, that comes with the people that you employ. So ultimately, it's down to your um, employees and the trees and um, they will have to be happy with, with another. And if they're not, then things get out of balance and then you won't be able to um, get to the max of your potential. So if I follow these steps properly and uh, I'm patient, I might end up winning the uh, best of Panama and sell my coffee for $250 a pound. Yeah, you know, but it, it might also be that, that it requires a lot of patience. So sometimes this comes, the success comes maybe 20 years after or 30 years after, you don't know. Um, I was able to do this very fast. Um, you could also call that some level of luck. And maybe it was not luck. Maybe it was just meant to be like this. So, but uh, but ultimately, when a barista fulfills his or her dream by buying the land and going the whole ten miles and all, taking all the steps that I did, ultimately, I'm convinced that they will produce some great tasting coffee that they are really personally happy with, and then. If you win with a big price like I did, and that's um, that's another benefit. But I think the the biggest um, uh, uh, icing on the cake, the the, the biggest uh, feeling of um, gratitude you will you will feel is th that your coffee just has a great flavor. That sounds great. So let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who is drinking coffee for uh, two hundred fifty dollars per pound? Who is uh... Who are your main customers now? Um, I would say, you know, small specialized retailers, roasters throughout um, in various countries of Asia, in Australia, um, in Europe, various countries in Holland, of course, my, my brother and his business, uh, Berlin, Greece. Uh, so a range of countries around the globe. Um, but, you know, there are always very specialized uh, roasters or there are professional baristas that want to um, present just a phenomenal cup of coffee. And, um, you know, $250 per pound sounds, sounds a lot. Uh, but, you know, ultimately it's um, really about um, per cup, it's really, you know, a relatively... Um, modest price compared to the wines that you sometimes drink or the specialty beers even so those drinks those beverages can be at least as expensive per cup or even more yes i was just uh going to that point i totally agree with you i mean it's uh it's 250 dollars per pound but per cup it's much cheaper and we have a lot of other enjoyments like wine beer you mentioned them which uh, cost much more especially if they win a prestigious competition like Best of Panama. Um, but what's your opinion? Do you think these kind of coffees, uh, do they have future? Do you think that they will, we will see them more and more? These, you know, like Cup of Excellences, uh, Best of Panama, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm truly convinced that coffee will follow the same pathways as wine. And it's already doing that. And um, just like with wine, where we see nowadays, that's a, there's a huge repertoire and a large number of options for consumers. We'll see that 
also with um, with coffee, like with wine. You know, you can buy bottles of wine that that are in excess of five hundred dollar per bottle. Um, and we already see these similar trends with coffee, and we, with coffee we'll see that more, um, much more in reality. We'll see that um, uh, fine food restaurants will start to really embrace really fine coffees. We'll see that uh, consumers at home start to savor and um, uh, enjoy really unique coffees with a unique story, and we'll see more and more specialization and quality finesse also in the in the uh, market of the home consumption. I'm very glad to say that um, because in a, for the past four years, even in a regular specialty grade coffee, it's not in these, you know, um, winners, but just the regular uh, good, like solid cups, I've seen uh, a big de- increase in, in, in its price. And I'm not talking about the market price. I'm just talking about some interesting lots. I mean, a good example is probably you know the best is the Ethiopian coffee, which we used to buy almost half price. This year, Ethiopian coffee is extremely expensive comparing to past years, simply because people want it. People see that, you know, it's a, it's a kind of hidden gem of the coffees. Yeah, exactly. So it's not only hipsterish geekery, but uh, it's probably a trend which will stay with us, which I guess all of us are very happy about. Yeah. Uh, did you taste your new crop, by the way? I did. Yes, 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 yes. And we're very, um, I think we're very happy with how it has turned out. Um, specifically, the the washed coffee. That's um, uh, to me was my. Uh, although the washed coffee did not win the competition, it won the fourth place. Mm-hmm. But specifically, the washed coffee was able to. Uh, uh, we were able to replicate that very unique flavor, and so overall, I'm very happy with um, how this new crop has turned out. Your past crop, uh, I mean, <laughs> that's the wrong word, your last year's crop, uh, the 2014, I took it to Slovakia and uh, I did some presentations with it, and people actually preferred your washed. Yeah. So it was interesting. Uh, <coughs> yeah. Some, some dried one, but in some places people preferred the washed. Yeah. So are you going to win the Best of Panama 2015? Absolutely. I'm going to win the top prize in both categories. <laughs> All right. It was great to talk to you and um, I wish you best of luck with in, in your fortune and in, on your farm and um, talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. So this was it, the original test episode of the new podcast Coffee is Dark Me with Willem Booth talking about Central American coffee and his amazing farm La Mula in Panama. If you have any questions or you feel like discussing this episode, Join our Facebook group, coffeeis.me. You can post your comments or questions under the post about this episode. Thank you for listening and follow us on iTunes, follow us on Stitcher. And do not forget, uh, if you really like this show, you can support us by leaving us a review on the iTunes site. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. Bye.